0: Amen. Well, it is an awesome day to be together. How many of you, as of right now, are still having the best year ever? Oh boy, that's a problem. (laughs) Hopefully it hasn't been the worst year ever yet. Um, You know, that's really been the heart behind this as we've been talking about getting into 2023. What is it going to be that helps us practically on a deep level to have the best year? ever in our lives, because unfortunately, a lot of times we just keep doing the same things over and over again, then we get to the end of the year, and we just feel like we barely survived. And in my heart for you, for us as a church, for our community, is that we would look inside the Bible, the Scriptures, the Word of God, to learn about how we can live for Jesus in such a way that makes every day a victory for us. And so over the last couple weeks, we've been talking about a few different concepts, First, we talked about the idea of rest. How many of you have been getting a little bit of rest here and there? Anybody been arrested? Don't raise your hand. We don't, we don't need to know. We'll pray for you. We pray for you. Rest is so important. And as we said in that message, you know, unfortunately, our concept of rest is usually bent on this idea of I've had a really long week, and the thing that I could really use rest from is getting up and going to church on Sunday morning. Uh, Really, prioritizing that time with God and God's people is so life giving and powerful. We need rest in our lives, but we need relationship with Jesus. Last week, we talked about your tribe, you know, looking at all the different sets of priorities that can sometimes take us in different directions. And really making the commitment to say, you know what, the people of God, the family of God is going to be my tribe this year. I'm going to prioritize that first, and I'm going to do what God has called me to do as a part of being a part of that family. Today, we're going to talk about a very difficult topic, so just buckle your seatbelts. I like to talk about difficult topics. We're going to talk about money today. How many of you finished 2023 and you're like, you know what, I had more than enough money and I'm good, we're set. We're set. I didn't need to make any more money. I'm, I'm good. A couple of you? Like four. Here, here's the crazy thing, and I, I saw this in a recent Gallup poll. Um, so they, they were doing study on, on two ideas that I just kind of want to throw out to us. One is overall satisfaction with life, all right? Currently, in, as far as overall satisfaction with life goes in America, Only 69% of people in America feel generally satisfied in their lives. That might sound like a decently high number, right? Two years ago, it was 84%. In the middle of COVID-19 in 2020, when they took that poll and it was going on, it was, t- it was 84% of people said, I'm, I'm generally feeling really good about life. And that number has just dropped drastically in the last two years. And then with regards to your own personal finances and wealth, they ask how many people feel like they're just doing okay in the money category. Only 30% of Americans feel like they're doing okay in that category. And so I feel like it's really something we can, Did I lose myself? Okay, you lost me. Uh, Something that we can talk about, because let's just be honest, we're experiencing some crazy inflation right now in our world. Anybody hit that yet? I went to Sam's Club, and this was, I got to be honest, this was made me feel like a a little old, okay? Uh, I went to Sam's Club on Friday, and I got a few things. I had like a cart, you know, some dog food, cat foods, and a little bit of meat. The lady rang it up, and she says, that's $217, and I went, okay, we're going to go through this receipt because there's no way, like we're going to add this up. So what's this? And, and I've, it was like, you know, you just do that. And sure enough, it was $217 just for a few things at Sam's club. And my heart hurt a little bit. Okay. Uh, I have three teenagers, almost teenagers living in my house. Sometimes there's four five and six. I, I think they eat professionally. I, I, I don't know what the deal is. It's like no matter how much food we have. Uh, but we're feeling that this year. Expenses are higher. Your, your grocery bill is higher. Your gas bill is higher. Your electric bill is higher. And there's so many things that we can look at as we're trying to navigate through this. But I want to I give you two thoughts here. And this is where I need somebody to hold Pastor Mike when I say these two thoughts. Number one, giving to God is not an obligation. You have a choice whether or not you, you want to do that. You have the choice of whether or not you want to give to God. All right? And number two, God does not want your money. God does not want your money, He wants your heart. He wants your heart. I want you to keep those two things in mind as we kind of go through this this morning because this is not a fundraiser and I know from the get-go that's the very easy way to dismiss what I'm about to tell you. Hey, he's the leader of the organization as I said a couple weeks ago or last week I think it was. I am the chief operating officer of Family Life Church. Uh, sure, it's his job to make sure the church has money and has funds. Sure, we need those things. We've got real bills we've got to pay but that's not what this is about. My heart for you is looking at the fact that I'm just tired of seeing families struggle year after year after year financially. I'm tired of seeing it. It shouldn't be that way. For the people of God, it should not be that way. And I want to look at that, why that matters, why that's an imperative. But where we're going to go to is the book of Haggai this morning, or maybe you've pronounced it Haggai. Uh, but we're going to go there this morning, Haggai chapter 1. And I just want to give you a little bit of background here as, as we get ready to read this. But Israel had been like a powerhouse, right? They had conquered and had this kingdom. At one point under King Solomon, it was the wealthiest and wisest kingdom in the entire world. People would come to visit. I mean, imagine this. We, we see people who come to visit Solomon and their gift as they came to visit him was like, you know, like 6,000 pounds of gold. They're like, I just came to visit you and I think you're awesome. So here's 6,000 pounds of gold. Who wants friends like that, Right. So we see this wealth and, and all these things, but they began to turn away from God. And we can read through uh, Jeremiah and Isaiah where God speaks to Israel and tells them, listen, because you've rejected me, I have to send you into captivity. You've forgotten me and you think all everything is about you. This is prophesied, it happens. Uh, Jerusalem falls, the city is destroyed, the temple is burned, and they go into captivity. Seventy years later, Some of the first exiles, refugees, if you will, start to go back to Jerusalem. They say, we want to rebuild the temple. You can read about that in the book of Ezra, okay? So the book of Ezra really chronicles this entire event, and they go. They have the king's blessing to go do this. They're even being funded by the king to do it. They get there, and they start to face some opposition. And after about a year and a half, two years of working on the temple, they stop work entirely for a decade And over a decade's period of time, they just leave the temple of God just sitting there. Nobody's doing anything in it. Nobody's going in and out. It's just sitting there in the middle of where it used to be, and they're just living their lives. And they're saying, listen, it'll happen eventually. It's going to happen eventually. For 10 years, they kept saying, it'll happen eventually. So this is where Haggai picks up. Haggai and also in in the Bible, the book of Zechariah. These are both like right during the same time period that they're speaking. But Haggai says this as he speaks to God's people in this moment. Why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Look at what is happening to you. You have planted much, but harvest little. You eat, but are not satisfied. You eat, but you are still thirsty. You put on clothes, but you cannot keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. Okay, I don't know, when I read this, I think of the time period that we're living in, right? Aren't we in a place where it's just like, it's never enough? We always need a little bit more. I I was kind of thinking about this this morning. Um, I'm a car guy, I like cars. I, I don't know if that's a sin, but I just love cars. The louder and faster it is, the cooler I think that is. I just like them. But I remember being a teenager, right, and you're reading about cars and muscle cars. And it used to be like if a car had 300 horsepower, that was like, whoa, that is crazy. Okay, my wife's little grocery getter car has 320 horsepower now. And you're not even a real car until you get to like six and 700 horsepower now. Why? Because we've got to keep pushing the envelope. Here's another kind of thing for us to look at. In the 1950s, the average family lived in a household that was no more than 1,200 square feet. Do you want to know what the average in America is today? 2,700 square feet for a home. We have more than doubled the size of our homes. We just keep making them bigger, right? Because who wants to be around family all the time? We need to keep making them bigger and give spaces for everybody to go to so that we don't have to interact with each other. We keep pushing and going after more. We're hungry. We eat. We're not satisfied. How many times have you gone into your pantry or opened up your cupboard because you you're feeling a little hungry and you look at it and it's completely full and you turn around and go, there's nothing to eat in this house. Right? That's exactly what he's speaking to. He's talking about this insatiable desire within us that, that everything you have, it's just like you're not enough. He's speaking to this overall sense of dissatisfaction. You're dissatisfied. You, and, and like to put this in the right frame of mind here is like you just came from being captives in a foreign land. I've returned you to your home and you've got everything on paper going good for you. You've got harvests, and you've got you've got wealth, and you've got clothes, and everything that you should need. But none of it is satisfying you. Why? Well, let's read the next couple of verses. Here, actually, chapter uh, verses nine through eleven. This is what he says: You hoped for rich harvests, but they were poor. And when you brought your harvest home, I blew it away. Like seriously, God. Why? Because my house lies in ruins, says the Lord of heaven's armies, while all of you are busy building your own fine houses." It's because of you that the heavens withhold their dew and the earth produces no crops. I have called for a drought on your fields and hills, a drought to wither your grain and grapes and olive trees and all of your other crops, a drought to starve you and your livestock and to ruin everything you have worked so hard to get. Praise the Lord. Don't you feel the presence of Jesus in a moment like this? Like, what could describe the love of God better than this moment? Like, God, you're so good. Like, you're ruining everything. I, wow. This is so cool. They're looking at this, and they're just, he's like, you're baffled by this, but there's a lesson in this that I need to speak to you. You keep thinking that things are gonna get better, but they don't. You keep thinking what you need is that new job, what you need is that new position, what you need is that raise, that you'll feel better after you do that that addition to your house or buy a new house, a bigger house, you'll feel better about yourself after you get a new car, if you changed up your wardrobe, if you started eating differently, if you got, you know, if you ate steak a couple nights a week instead of hot dogs, you know, praise the Lord, that'd be great, that's what you think is going to make you feel better. But then there's this moment, it's like God says, All right, it's confession time. You've been wondering why all of these things seem to be so unsatisfactory to you. You've been wondering why year after year you feel frustrated. Here's why it was me, I did it. I did it. I blew away what you worked on, I caused a drought to come to dry up all of your crops listen to the words he's saying, a drought to starve you and your animals. Like, thank you, Lord. And to ruin every good thing you've worked for. Like, this is not a hallelujah moment as you're reading your Bible. But he says, here's why I did it. Because you stopped putting me first and you started putting these other things ahead of me. You started trusting in your, in your crops. You started trusting in your paycheck. You started trusting in your 401k and your pension. You started trusting in that wonderful, most beautiful bump that you got in salary if you're on social security. Wow, 8%, praise the Lord. You, You put your trust in that. And you began to think that those were the things that were going to take care of you. You started thinking that that was the means to get ahead. It was the bigger job, the better pay. It was the new position. You put your hope in all of these things, and in the midst of it, you put me at the very back and acted like I didn't matter at all. And listen, I don't know if anybody's ever told you this before, but it's really worth marking down, okay? Are you with me? God is pretty specific about this one thing. In fact, it's the first of the Ten Commandments. God says this, I will not be last. I will not be last. In fact, he says it this way. The Lord your God is a jealous God. And you will have no other gods, meaning there can be nothing else in all of creation, all of existence that matters more to you than I do. Because anything else that matters more to you than me is an idol. And I'm not gonna share space with idols. And his love for his people is so great. And listen, this is not how we categorize love, right? We're not tough love fans, God says, my love for you is so great that I would rather frustrate the plans of everything that you have on earth than watch you live out every day of your life and lose your heart in the process. In fact, he says, what does it gain for a man to gain the entire world? Lose his own soul. Please hear me in this. God is not after your money. He is not after your money. He's after your heart. He is desperate for your heart. In fact, Jesus speaks to this very notion in Matthew chapter six, verses 19 to 21. He says this, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desire of your heart will be also. Listen, I don't have to tell you about rust. We live in Pennsylvania. <laughs> Go look underneath your car. I don't care if your car's four years old, it's rusted at this point. Thank you, PennDOT. I was just showing Pastor Mike on my suburban the other day. I've got like all these spots on my suburban that are starting to rust, and I'm like, what? <laughs> but you know what? That's not my treasure. It's not my treasure. And he says, we're really putting way too much emphasis on things that we can lose the nice car, the house. Listen, there are people in here who have experienced house fires where you lost everything in one night. But that was our pride and joy. It was everything. I lo- and people even say that, right? I lost everything. We look at this, and here's the reality. That the way we view our treasure leaves our hearts exposed. And this is what Jesus is trying to speak to. He says, your handling of your treasure exposes the true contents of your heart. Now, let's, let's back up from that a second because I know there's a temptation to be like, preacher, I don't know what kind of finances you're dealing with, but I ain't got no treasure. I'm like, I'm just barely making it. It's not like I'm rich. I know you're talking about them building fine, luxurious homes. I don't got any of that going on. That's not where I'm at. Listen, this is not about how luxurious your home is, how big it is, if it's a mansion. It's not even about whether your car is a 2023 or a 2003 None of those things come into play here. He says, well, this is what really matters is that the way you handle these things, your desires of your heart indicate what really matters most to you. And here's, here's where the scary part of this comes in. There are two things that I would say in life that very clearly indicate what matters to us. Number one is our finances, how we spend our money. Number two is our calendar, how we spend our time. These two things, where we're most invested, indicate more about us than anything else. And the point that God is trying to make here is he says, your hearts are exposed when it comes to the handling of your finances, when it comes to the way you manage your money. And and you, you get frustrated because you think, all I need to do is make more money. All I need to do is get more. But then we have this other side where God's like, no, go ahead, keep trying to earn more money. Go ahead, get another position, another job, a better paying job, get the advancement, get the promotion, go for all of that. Keep doing that if you think that that's what's going to work. But here's the truth. I'm going to keep blowing it away because you're putting it ahead of me. It's not going to win. Why? Because God made very clear. He's like, I will have first place. And it's frustrating to us to think in those terms, but this is not about our money because like I said before, giving to God is optional and God's not after your money. You have the option to say, God, I can't, I can't afford it. And and can I say this? I I legitimately feel sorry for any of you in this room that didn't have a mom or dad or grandma or grandpa sit down with you when you got your first paycheck to teach you, God comes first. I, I mean I mean that with all my heart. I am so grateful that God, I had godly parents that the very first time I earned money, I mean ever, My parents said, you need to make sure that you honor God first and don't ever let this money that you're earning become more important than him. I'm so grateful for that because I think to myself now, at this stage in my life, if I had to learn what it means to give back to God and put him first in my finances, I'd be like, Lord, how how could I ever do that? It'd be really hard. And I'm I'm not saying that flippantly, but I'm telling you this. God says this displays what's really in our hearts. How much do you love me? How much do you love me? Not because I'm broke. Listen, the Bible tells us that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. That's just a fancy way of saying God's like, I'm rich. Don't worry about it. I'm good. I don't need your money. But I am so desperate for your heart. And church, I've watched people time and time again that we get to the end of another year, more credit card debt, broken finances, barely making ends meet, struggling for everything. And we're just sitting here and the only plausible thing that we could come up with is I need to make more money. I just need to make more money. Can I tell you, there will never be enough money, ever. There will never be enough money to fix What's wrong in our hearts? I know we think to ourselves, if I made more, I could give God. Th- I, I, I would. I would give to God then. If I made, instead of, you know, 50K a year, if I made 100K, then I'd give, I'd give money to God. Lord, you're hearing me, right? Just double my salary and I'll start giving to you. But God knows better. In fact, he says in the parable of the talents, he says, whoever is faithful with little, they'll be the ones who are faithful with much. It's not going to happen because you suddenly can afford it. And it's not about your money. It's your choice. But God says, listen, I see your heart in this. And church, I hope you don't miss this this morning because I really do believe that one of the ways that God wants to make this the best year ever for you is to get the lie of of Satan out of your minds that tells you, you can't afford to give to God. You won't make it. Listen, I'm, I'm not, I'll, and I'll tell you a couple of them. I have seen God move time and time again in my finances when I should not have made it. When I was a young minister at the age of 19 and had a car payment, and I got up on Sunday morning, and there was enough money for me to either make my car payment or pay my tithes. And I said, Lord, I put you first. I'm going to pay my tithes. That left me with literally $17 in my account. And I went to church that morning, I had never heard of anything called pastor appreciation. My church, they said, hey, we're just so grateful for the way that you've been serving. I wasn't paid. I was, you know, kind of a volunteer basis. And they handed me a check. And guess how much it was for? My car payment. That's what God did. Jess and I had been married a few years, and we felt like Jess needed to go back to college and finish her degree, and we're sitting on a Sunday night, and we're like, okay, Lord, we can't afford for Jess to quit her job, but we know this is the plan that you have for her, and we're like, God, the only way that's going to work is if I can start making $400 a month more than I'm making right now, so I'll have to work some overtime. I'll figure it out. I'll work it out. I'm going to make it happen. We, just go to work in the morning. Tell your boss that you're giving your two-week notice. We're done. Jess goes in, tells her boss, this is literally 9 o'clock in the morning, tells her boss, I'm giving you my two-week notice, my boss came to me, I could choke up when I think about this, my boss came to me 30 minutes later and said, we're giving you a raise of $100 a week. 30 minutes. How does, who but God could do that? I remember listening to my daughter, Meredith, at the age of two, riding around in our car, Daddy, Mommy, my stomach hurts, my stomach hurts, I feel sick, I feel sick. Not even thinking, man, we're a few hours past eating lunch. You know what that is? My daughter, for the first time, is feeling what it means to be hungry. We were losing our house in 2008 because I lost my job. We couldn't afford anything. And we get up in the morning and I walk out on my front porch and my porch is covered in groceries. And it's right before Christmas and in the bottom of one of the bags is three $100 Visa gift cards and it says, Bless your children. Who but God could do that? Listen, I'm telling you this because I believe it and I've seen God do it a hundred times in my life. And I'm tired of Satan getting the victory over your family and your finances. I'm tired of seeing this because it's a, it's a hard issue. It's not a money issue. It's God wanting to bless you, but he says, listen, this, this is a covenant, right? Covenant means both parties have to do something. God says, I wanna bless you, but you're putting that first instead of me. Church, I want to see you have the best year ever. I wanna see you have the best year ever. And if all you're hearing today is that I'm just saying the church needs more money or I want your money, please forgive me. That's not what I'm trying to say at all. I'm telling you this. God wants your heart. He wants your heart today. And I'm telling you, if you would put him first, then you'll look back down the road and you'll have stories. God, you did that. God, you did that. God, you did that. Uh, It doesn't make sense, but you you did that. You did that. You did that. Trust him. Because here's the flip side of it. God says, if you don't, I'm just going to keep blowing your stuff away anyway. You can get mad at him for that. But God says, I'm going to have first place. I'm going to have first place. So, my question for you is this what will your treasure be in 2023? Is it going to be a treasure of the money you make, or that promotion you're hoping for, the raise that might be coming, or the new job that you just need to find to make, is it going to be that? Is it going to be looking for satisfaction in the bigger house, the newer car, the nicer clothes, the better food? What, what's going to be your treasure this year? That decision is going to have an incredible impact on how you finish this year. And I believe that with all my heart. And I want to pray for you because, listen, as I said before, I know it is not easy to take a step of faith into believing and trusting God. But I can tell you this, my wife and I, we've had to do it many times. Jess, has there ever been a time that God has failed us? Ever. Never. I get choked up about it because I can't believe it. God has never failed us. And that's not because of us. That's because he's just so good. And I want to pray this over you because I want you to have these stories. I want you to have the kind of faith that sees God do things that you think are impossible. I want to see you get to the end of this year and say, I don't even know how we made it, but for God, he did it. So will you join me in prayer this morning? God, I thank you so much for your faithfulness. God, can I just glorify you for a second for my own life and my own family, my own story? You have been so faithful. You have been so good, God. And Lord, I desire to see that goodness on display in my brothers and sisters. I desire to see it in their families, God. Lord, I'm so tired of watching the enemy get victory after victory over these families, convincing them that they just can't afford to put you first, that they'll get to it when they can, that maybe if they get more, they, they God, captivate our hearts with your goodness today. Capture our hearts, God. Remind us that when we have you, we have enough because you're faithful and you provide every single time. And Lord, I just pray for a moment of incredible faith in your people today. I have no doubt in my mind that Satan is going to do everything he can in 2023 to keep propagating that same lie in your people. God, would you bind him? Would you silence him? That that lie is from him and it's not from you. You promised that if we made you the delight of our hearts, if we chose you and put you first, that you would take care of everything else. And God, I pray that you would do that today in your people. Lord, I pray an overcoming victory. In the finances of my brothers and sisters in this room and those who are watching us online, God, I pray an overcoming victory in their families as they covenant with you to say, God, here is my heart. You can have all that I am. You can have all that I have. I'm going to put you first. I'm going to love you best. I'm going to love you most. There's nothing that you could ask of me that I wouldn't give. And Lord, as you do that, as you work on their hearts, they would just begin to see the incredible blessings that only you could give. God, I thank you for your faithfulness. And I pray a moment of faithfulness and hope and trust over my friends that they might experience your goodness too. And it's all for your glory, Lord. Make this the best year ever. Make it the best year ever for us, God where we change our hearts and minds and learn to live more like your son, Jesus. We give you all the glory, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Listen, our prayer team is gonna be up here today. Can I challenge you with this? If you are feeling that tug at your heart that says, I'd like to take that step to be obedient in that way, come up and ask one of them to pray with you. They're not gonna judge you. They're here to love you. Or maybe if you're, I'm in the midst of a battle, come get some prayer. They want to love on you and encourage you today. Uh, But on your way out today, as we said earlier, we do give back to the Lord here at Family Life Church. And we have many ways that we do that. We have our giving boxes on the back. We have online giving. But I want to encourage you to be obedient into that in whatever way that is right for you and your family. But don't miss the blessing that God wants to give you in this year. I'm telling you, don't miss it because God has a plan for you. Lord, bless you. Love on each other and encourage each other.